Welcome to Peaking to Success, the podcast that delves deep into our guest success stories. The highs, the lows, the lessons learned, and if there's any exciting future plans lined up. Talking about future plans, Peaking into Success is proudly supported by Peak Wills and Estate Planning. We're here to support you with any future planning. Long gone are the times of solicitors in suits and ties and dark rooms and outdated practices. We are proud to offer a fresh and dynamic approach to the stuffy old world of wills, changing the way we talk about what happens when we die. But... That's enough talk about death on a podcast introduction. It's time to pass you over to Peeking Into Success host, Mr. Adam Kahn. Whose success are we peeking into this episode, Adam? Thanks, Sam. Today we have on Burton Albion and Derbyshire Cricket commentator, Dave Fletcher. Join me, Daisy Ray, on the Talk Poetry To Me podcast where we dive into the hearts and minds of poets and spoken word artists, unveiling emotions, sharing stories and embracing the power of words. Tune in to discover the voices that paint our world with truth. Talk poetry to me. You can listen wherever you download your podcasts. Hi Dave, how are we today? Yeah, very good, Adam. Thank you. Thanks for the invite. Oh, uh, much appreciated. I'm not, not sure how enlightening this will be, but I'll give it a go. Oh, no, I mean, people listen to you hours and hours, like you said, for the cricket and for your commentating. So I feel like you've got some stories to tell in some respect over the years. So it will be good to hear them, hopefully. Well, yes, well, happy to answer any questions that you might have uh, as honestly as I possibly can. Brilliant. Um, that's what we like to hear. So, for anyone that has not heard your voice before, which would be hard to believe, um, what does Dave Fletcher do in a nutshell? I don't find that hard to believe at all. <laughs> um, well, I'm a, I'm a freelance journalist, essentially, but at the moment, and I, I imagine, and hopefully for the foreseeable future, um, I'm based... Really, at Radio Derby, I do Derbyshire cricket commentaries on the BBC Sport website and app. And I do Burton Albion commentaries for Radio Derby as well. Um, and I also do a bit of fill-in stuff, present programmes, mainly the sports scene at six if somebody's on holiday uh, and that kind of thing, really. So, uh, yes, people might have heard my voice. Um, uh, if you if you have and you liked it, thank you very much for listening. And if you haven't, I can only apologise. <laughs> I'm sure they enjoy it because you're very insightful and I feel like it's just uh, when I've listened to your voice and heard you commentating it's very I feel warming and welcoming I felt like it's just very friendly and conversive and not kind of you're just telling straight facts you make a bit of humour of it well, yes, it's very kind of you to say that use the word insightful. I'm not sure I would use that word, but welcoming and conversational, absolutely. I, I mean, it's essential. We'll probably get onto it later, but it's essential in cricket, obviously, because we're on for such a long time. And if we were just saying he bowls, he hits it, he gets a run, then it would uh, we would soon have people switching off in droves. Um, but my overall philosophy is to uh, is to try to have some fun. Uh, I've got to the age now in my, I was going to call it a career, but it's more of a job really, um, where if I can't have fun, then it's probably not worth doing. That's fair enough. And I mean, 
you you feel like I feel anyway when I hear you that you do have fun so and that's what keeps people listening so it's different to other people when I've heard other commentaries so it's certainly not Derbyshire keeping them listening at the moment is it <laughs> very true or I mean indeed, I've been indeed Burton. I've I've heard of um I've been to a few the T Twenty Derbyshire games and yeah it's up and down isn't it. Well, they were relatively successful in the T20. It's the rest of it that's been uh, been disappointing. <laughs> Obviously, they haven't won a game in the Championship this year yet. Uh, they've only got four more chances. They've only won two out of eight games in the 50-over Cup. So, uh, uh, you, you picked the right ones to come to, I think. Yeah, I, I think I did. I mean, luckily, I got to see the uh, Tom Wood kind of masterclass as well as, as, well mm-hmm. as a couple of the ones on the Friday night. So... Yeah, yeah I, no, I think I'm pretty lucky. T20 was fine. T20 yeah. was fine. Um, for you then, Dave, how did you get into kind of the realm of commentary and how did you kind of fall into that as well as kind of knowing it was commentary that you wanted to do or was it kind of radio presenting first that you wanted to do? Well, it's bizarre, really. Um, I'm, I turned 60 this year. And I've only really been doing commentary for 10, 11 years. Okay. Because uh, I, was a, I was a journalist on, a news, on several newspapers prior to that, after leaving university. But I always wanted to be on the radio. When I was a small child, uh, my grandmother, who lived in Birkenhead, uh, lived opposite Birkenhead Park Rugby Union Club. At the time, they were pretty decent. And you'd get teams like, uh, uh, certainly I saw Wasps play there. Uh, I saw Leicester play there. So they played against the top teams in the country way before the game was professionalised. So this would have been, I don't know, in the late 60s, early 70s. And I used to take, that must have been the early 70s, given the technology, I used to take a tape recorder. And there weren't little small things like dictaphones that people have now. It was quite a big thing. And I used to commentate on the match at the back of the stand. I always wanted to be in radio. Uh, and then at secondary school in East Yorkshire, we, uh, I don't know if I should say this out loud or not, I'm going to, um, Exchange and Mart had a little section at the back where you could buy radio transmitters. They weren't entirely legal, I don't think. Uh, um, we set up a little radio station in one of our mates' bedrooms and played uh, rock music on a Friday night to the people of uh, the area. Um, and I applied after university to go on a course to, to become some form of radio person. I didn't get on the course. I was in Preston. This was in the early 80s. There was no radio station at the university. There weren't many knocking about at that stage. And um, I went to work for a weekly newspaper in uh, in East Yorkshire, in Gould, in East Yorkshire. And sport was always my thing, but I went to work there on, uh, on news. Uh, and within about six weeks, the sports editor there, Janet Smith, who I'm still friends with now, um, said to me, well, why don't you do sport and I'll do news? And I said, well, if you don't mind, should we go and see the editor? So I went to see the editor and he said, yeah, do what you want, really. Um, so I started covering Ghoul Town and the rest, as they say, is history. Although it, it did take another 30 years to get onto the radio properly. Um, so I worked at Gould, then I went to Castleford to do rugby league, did Castleford and, uh, and Featherstone Rovers. Then I went to the Press Association. Uh, to I was a sub-editor at the Press Association. Basically, all the, uh, the, the reporters would send their stuff in and we would 
just make sure there were no major errors in it and send it off to uh, whoever was receiving the, the PA copy at the time. Uh, I had six months in York covering the uh, York Rugby League, which was my team because I grew up in East Yorkshire. Um, but I lived in Bolton and that was quite a trek. And then ended up at Halifax, where for 15 years I covered Halifax Town in, on a daily newspaper, six stories a week, six nights a week, or more than six stories, ultimately. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, it was, it was, there were great times. There were great times. The newspapers were, were, were quite strong then. I mean, they're, they're exceptionally weak now, sadly. I took redundancy from the newspaper when it went from a weekly, uh, from a daily, rather, to a weekly. Um, I got a reasonable payoff, uh, which enabled me to go freelance. Uh, but I'd already started doing some summarising work. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I'd already started doing some summarising work uh, at Halifax Town matches that I was already at anyway for uh, Adam Pope, who's now the Leeds United commentator at Radio Leeds. And uh, I did a bit of rugby league in the northwest for a mate. Uh, he... Uh, <laughs> The first thing I ever did on the radio, properly, as, as a sort of reporter, as the main man and doing bits of commentary, was at Witness Rugby League. And this mate of mine had double booked himself for a commercial station uh, in Warrington called Wire FM. And he rang me up one day and said, you've, you've been on the radio, haven't you? I said, well, I've been on it, yeah. He said, you know how to work in ISDN, which are the boxes that we use to broadcast from uh, from the, the, the sporting stadiums. I said, no, I've never, never used one in my life. Uh, he said, I'll, I'll show you. Can you do this game on Sunday? And I said, well, give it a go. And I thought he was going to bring this ISDN box around, but no, he brought me a drawing <laughs> of an ISDN box and said, you press this button and do that and you do this. You go and collect it from the radio station and you get to the so you plug it in. And off you go, and that was the first time I'd ever done it. And uh, so I've had no formal training uh, in broadcasting at all. Um, and then it sort of grew from grew from there. And uh, eventually, uh, after I turned freelance, I got the uh, I got the opportunity to to cover Bradford City. Gareth Jones, the sports editor at Leeds, just rang me up one day and said, uh, "Do you fancy doing Bradford City?" I said, "Yeah." Yeah, why not? And it sort of grew from there, really. Nice, and I mean, but, the the thing is, of course, it shows to people that are listening, and the main thing is kind of looking into people's success stories, and it shows that, from at least from your point of view, what you wanted to do as a kid took multiple years to get to, and that's nice that it shows that if people are wanting to give up on what they want to do, sometimes you need to do a couple more jobs in between and you will get to that angle which you've shown and now you have success with of course being able to do Burton and Derbyshire cricket so it's shown a nice kind of round trip that you've kind of had as you've said no training and got to the position you are now which is really good. Very kind of you again to use the word success. Um <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Well, you, 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 there's an there's a huge element of luck in in, in, in the way my, my my work life has gone. 
um, because you, 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 I almost sort of fell into it in the end, even though it's what I always wanted to do. I was doing some rugby league commentaries at Radio Leeds as well, so people start to know you and say, oh, well, Dave Fletcher's... Uh, he does the radio, so you can, if, if somebody wanted something more, most recently, somebody down at uh, Radio Cambridge, Cambridgeshire, had, um, the, 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 the lad who does the commentary uh, was ill one day, and they just put a, an email out on the BBC email, and this is only within the last three or four years, and said, is there anybody available to cover Cambridge at Morecambe? So I just replied and said, well, yeah, it's only about 20 miles from where I live more than happy and, and because they knew me the straight away they go no okay well Dave will do it so we, we've got somebody and it there is a there is a large element of of, of luck involved in it um uh like the Bradford City thing for instance I mean it sort of came out of the blue from Gareth who uh, who suddenly said you know do you want to do Bradford City I said yeah why not I'll give it a go Bradford were in the in league two bumping along, not particularly successful, relatively popular because of the, the ticketing structure at Valley Parade and they, they sell multiple thousands of season tickets, so they're well supported. But they weren't a particularly good club, but I always find that uh, they're the clubs I seem to be attracted to. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Um, how did, of course, BBC Radio Derby come about? Is Of course, you were having your kind of success with kind of Bradford City and stuff and being around the northern side of England, how did it you kind of drop into the Midlands? Well, the, 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 the simple answer, I, I will expand on it, of course, but the simple answer is that they advertised for somebody to commentate on the cricket, and I applied for the job and got it, which was terrific, although um, at the time I didn't realise it was an interview. I thought I'd already got it, but it turns out there were other people actually in for it as well, which probably made me feel quite relaxed when I went down there <laughs> to speak to them. Um, I've been doing Bradford City for a while. Uh, while I was at Leeds, uh, Dave Callahan, the late Dave Callahan, was their cricket commentator, and he couldn't find anybody to go to T20 away matches with him. They did separate commentaries, as we, we tend to do, certainly in the north of England. Okay. Um, and he said to me, "Do you fancy coming?" I wasn't I wasn't going to get any any money for it. It was just you know tag along and uh, I'd go to Leeds and he'd drive and all the rest of it. So I said, "Yeah, absolutely." And on a couple of occasions when when he he had some sorts of emergencies and that kind of thing, I remember getting a phone call. I was on holiday in Anglesey. I got a phone call at about five o'clock, half past five one morning, and it was Radio Leeds. Cali can't work today. Can you cover? Yorkshire and I said well, well I'm in Anglesey but yeah he said right right well get yourself to Headingley and off you go and as I'm driving across the phone goes again it's the sports editor I forgot to tell you uh, I've arranged for an interview with Jeff Boycott at lunchtime because he's become the president of uh, he's going to be the president of Yorkshire so I, I was absolutely terrified but he was great uh, and I went to Scarborough a couple of times to cover for Cali and that kind of thing which I think helped me ultimately in the uh, in the in, when I went for the, the job as Derbyshire cricket commentator in the winter of 2015, um, you know, Brian had had the job before me, so I, I was taking over from somebody who played test cricket for New Zealand, which was slightly daunting. Um, but he'd moved on for, for whatever reason. Uh, and I went in and obviously drove down from, from Bolton, where I live, down to Derby, uh, did the interview, and by the time I got home, within about half an hour of me getting home, the phone went 
and they said, we'd like to offer you the job. Do you want it? And I said, uh, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, and that was it really. I was, I was in at Radio Derby. I was still doing bits and pieces uh, on a freelance basis at Leeds doing, uh, because by this time I'd actually worked out or had been shown, I hadn't worked out at all. I'd been shown how to use a studio to a degree, although it's, I'm still not massively comfortable in one. And I'd been asked if I would do some breakfast bulletin, sports bulletin reading. So I said, to, it was Adam Pope again. He was, uh, he was in charge at the time. And I said, well, you have to teach me how to use a studio first, Pope. So he did, uh, up to a point. And I started doing breakfast bulletin reading. And then he said, well, you can do some of the shows at six o'clock. So I did some of those. I did a regular monthly non-league program on Radio Leeds. Uh, um, I, I used to do the show when people were on holiday. I mean, essentially, as a freelance, that's what you do. You, you cover for people who are on holiday. So uh, I had quite a good experience at Leeds. But Derbyshire, the, the chance to do Derbyshire cricket, and, and being entirely honest, um, 86 days work for a freelancer guaranteed is, is quite a lot of work. So, uh, if you are a freelancer and you get the opportunity to, I no contract or anything, but you know, it's, it's just an agreement. But if you get the opportunity for 86 days work a year minimum, then you, you sort of jump at it. Yeah, 100% is, I mean, there is a lot of different, of course, sides to cricket, isn't there? Like, of course, your 50 overs, you've got your T20, so it kind of keeps you going throughout the year. And I mean, as you said, you are based up north, so of course, it's easier to, of course, come down for a couple of days and go back. So it's kind of a nice balance for you, I assume, work life wise. Um, yes. <clears throat> of course, you've gone into, of course, your career and who you commentated for. What is kind of your biggest achievement or your career high so far? Well, I'm not sure whether journalists achieve, uh, achieve anything. I was, I was again, very fortunate in that they have the Cricket Writers Association and the ECB have an awards system of some description. Um, and in 2016, my first year commentating full time on cricket, um, I was I won the uh, uh, local radio commentator of the year, named after Christopher Martin Jenkins. Um, no beautiful trophy. It's a it's a small silver bat inside a like a cabinet thing that I had on the wall for twelve months before handing it back. Um, and I would suggest, I would say that's as probably as good as it gets. I did have a book published. Uh, in 2013-14, which was about Bradford City's remarkable season when they got to Wembley twice, once in the League Cup as a fourth-tier fourth club, uh, were beat by Swansea and then went back under Phil Parkinson, who's now at Wrexham, um, and then went back to Wembley in the playoff final and beat Northampton Town and got promoted. Um and, and I, I was quite proud of that. But I, I think achievements, um, yeah, I would, I would say that the, uh, the local radio commentator of the year is, is about as good as it's got. <laughs> uh, but as I said, I, I, I'd shy away of calling it a career. And it's, it, it is, it is, I mean, it's what I've done my entire life, covered sport. 
but it is more of a more of a job and then again it's not really a job is it because i get to watch sport every day and somebody pays me to do it so the the only thing it has taken away from me is going to watch my own football team who obviously are generally playing at the same time as the football teams that i cover so i haven't i saw them a handful of times last year tranmere uh, and that's it so that that's a little little sad because when I was a, a teenager in my early twenties, I used to go all the time. But if you're working on a Saturday, you, you sort of can't really do both, can you? But I don't I don't really mind it because Tramir aren't very good, um, <laughs> and uh, and I'm getting paid to watch football and cricket anyway, and any other sport that people are paying me to watch. No, hundred percent. And I mean. One day maybe Tranmere might pick you up to content on them, and then it's double ended. Well, you'll get both. It, I'm not sure I could. I'm not I genuinely. I'm not sure that I could. I know there are people who commentate on the teams that they support, but I'm fairly certain, given how I am at a Tranmere match, that I couldn't commentate on them because I would either be overly critical, yeah, or or overly gushing, and I, and I think. <laughs> There should be some kind of middle ground, and that's that's the hardest part of the job, of course, is being critical of a team that you that you watch on a regular basis because they get to find out that you've been critical of them. But that, that's very true. I, I think that they know themselves when they play poorly, uh, and it's fairly plain to see when a team is playing poorly. So if you're saying, "Oh, they're not they're not playing very well at the moment." Um, then they'll know. Although it still hurts them, obviously, in the same way that if somebody said, "Well, Dave Fletcher's last two commentaries has been absolutely hopeless," uh, it would hurt. But you'd probably know yourself anyway. Yeah. No. But I mean, I know that. I think personally, when I listen to you, you're you're very good, and it's a different approach to other commentators I heard. So I mean, I I enjoy it personally. So, <laughs> um, of course, you mentioned a kind of achievement for yourself. Is there a defining moment? Is it kind of the first chance you were given the chance to commentate or is there another defining moment that you can think of? Yeah, the, the, I mean, the day that, that my mate came round and uh, with a drawing of an ISDN box clearly is a defining moment because it was the first time I'd actually been inside a sports ground with an ISDN kid talking. Um, and then being the man who knew more about Halifax Town over those 15 years than anybody else helped enormously because Radio Leeds then, who, who couldn't because they already had Huddersfield, Bradford, Leeds United, all the rugby league teams, the cricket, they couldn't dedicate really somebody to Halifax Town. So Pope used to ring me up a, a fair bit, not a lot, because he, he, he used to do his own uh, his own research as well, you know, for what's happening at Halifax and what can we ask them this week and stuff. And then he said, well, why don't you just come on the radio and tell us about it? And, and, and another defining moment. So I'd already learned how to use the ISDM box to a point, but before that, Popey had said, well, why don't you come on the radio? So I knew I could talk on the radio, but I think it's important to listen to a lot of radio, which I, I mean, I still do now, but as a kid, I was, I was listening to the radio all the time. So you get the idea of, of what you should be saying, when you should be quiet, and all the rest of it. I mean, still there are people um, who come in and will talk all over each delivery. Well, the whole point of cricket is you have to 
describe each delivery and give the score and then you can talk around that but I always knew because I'd listened to Test Match Special from being a very small child and all the rest of it that you can talk in between the deliveries but not during the deliveries if you're not the one who's describing the deliveries uh, stuff like that so yeah radio was always my thing it just took me an awful long time to actually get a job that would uh pay me sufficient money to not have to do anything else. No, 100%. And I mean, all of these kind of occurrences have kind of led you to get to the position you are now where you can enjoy what you do and commentate to thousands of people, which, of course, people tune into and enjoy. So that's the main thing. Um, What has... Dave Fletcher got coming up then for the rest of the year. Is there particular things that you're commentating on? Is there something kind of new you're commentating on? And what's kind of coming up for Dave? Um, it's a great question. As a freelancer, I barely look more than a month ahead, and next month's really good because <laughs> there are four championship matches, and they're all in midweek, and obviously Burton play at weekends, so next month's taken care of. Want to know what's happening within Derby's black community? Or perhaps you have a story of your own to share? Then look no further than Majatu, your one-stop source for local African and Caribbean news. With our digital news platform and quarterly print magazine, keep up to date on all of the latest in arts, entertainment, food, sports and more. Find us online at mojatu.com. October and November look slightly uh, sparse at the moment. Um... But after 10 years or so of being completely freelance, you sort of stop worrying about it. To start with, you worry about it an awful lot. But um, I've sort of stopped worrying about it. So at the moment, it's the busiest time of my working year is is August, September and April, because that's when there's both football and cricket. Um, But obviously, for the rest of this year, after those four championship matches... Um, which don't start till September, even though we're still in August. Um, but we're probably open to go into that on, on this podcast. Um, uh, it'll be Burton Albion through the winter. And then hopefully, fingers crossed, covering for holidays, doing shows uh, at uh, sports shows, that is uh, the, the Sports Scene at Six programme um, at Radio Leeds, assuming that... Uh, the, uh, my two colleagues there, Dominic Dietrich and Ed Dos, do actually have some holidays, so I should be urging them to go away so I can uh, I can go in for the odd day here and there. But the way freelance life works is that you, you work, as I do, throughout the summer, it's quite full on. You have to make sure that you put enough money away so that you can get through the winter if it isn't as full on as the summer is, but I don't mind that. It's just a shame it's not the other way around because I end up sitting at home in the freezing cold. Whereas if, if it was the other way around, I'd have lots of time off in the summer and be very busy in the winter. But, I mean, screw your commentating. You, you, can't really, uh, you can't really complain too much about not working in the winter, can you? No, that's true. And, I mean, a job's a job, isn't it? At the end of the day, you've just Absolutely. got to it around. Um, I know that, of course, the England women's team are coming to a cross-playing derby. Mm. Are you covering that as well? It's of course, that's early September, isn't it, in the week? It is. It is. And uh, we're in Scarborough. Um, 
So no is the short answer, and and it's been a real issue. I did I did cover a few games in the Women's World Cup back in 2017, which were which were absolutely brilliant. Um, but the reason that England can play at Derby is that Derby aren't there, or Derbyshire aren't there. I beg your pardon. I've never called them Derby. Derbyshire aren't there. Uh, and I'm covered, I covered Derbyshire, so I should be in Scarborough when the England women, uh, I think it's in Scarborough when they come. Uh, but I'm, Derbyshire is certainly away when England are playing at, at, uh, at the county ground, which is a real shame. Uh, I'm sure the radio station will cover them in some form or other, uh, but it sadly won't be me. Oh, OK. I just thought it'd be a nice little thing for you to do. Is, of course, there's past Derbyshire players in the team, so I thought there might be a way of yes. doing it is, of course, you'd have insight on them specifically. Um, going into, of course, your past now and more, more of the thought-provoking questions, I call them, um, what is one piece of advice that you would give to your younger self? Um, get, a better, get a better cassette recorder for uh, Birkenhead Park. Get one that's smaller. I don't think there were any ones that were smaller. Uh, at the time, um, it's, a, it's a good question. Uh, I'm not very good at giving advice, really, to anybody, really. But you take every opportunity that you get, really. The opportunity to work on a local newspaper in East Yorkshire when I was based in Liverpool at the time, because that's where I'd been to university. It was quite an upheaval. Yeah. Um, and Gould was an interesting place. I assume still is. Uh, <laughs> Because I've not been back for a long time. But yeah, if you get the opportunity, just basically never say no. Because if you say no, they'll not ask you again. Whereas if you say yes, you might be able to do it. And always back yourself because it's only talking. That's all I do. I just talk uh, for a long time on certain <laughs> days. But it is only talking. No, that's a nice way of putting it. Is I mean... If you say no, as you've said, people won't try you again and not see you as an option. Whereas if you say yes, even if you have to move some other things around, of course, at the end of the day, it's benefiting you, isn't it? So you you being able to make some money one way might mean, oh, you can do this or you can do that. So it's it's dependent on what kind of you mould yourself to do. And it's, of course, mentality at the end of the day as well. Um, is there anything you would do differently if you could do it all again? So if we could go back and play out your life again, is there anything that you'd do differently in your career? Well, I would, in my career, OK, we're not going that far back then. Um, <laughs> not we're going a long way back, but I was going to say the one thing that I always... Uh, the biggest regret is, and it was nothing really to do with me, is that my family moved to East Yorkshire when I was about nine. I absolutely detested it. Couldn't wait to get out. Um, uh, I don't think there is anything that I would do differently, really. I went to the university that I wanted to go to. I got into a, into a career that I wanted to do, and ultimately it's allowed me to do what I really wanted to do, which was, which was be on the radio. So... I don't think you get very far regretting things, do you? Really, I can't go back and change anything. The, the one silly move, really, was the one to York, but I needed to get out of the press association because it was killing me. The uh, I don't regret going in the first place, but some of the shift patterns were just ludicrous. Uh, we were based in Leeds, so it wasn't that far away, but 
the shifts weren't the shifts weren't great. So I went to York to get out, but I mean it was just too far away. So that's the possibly one job. Although it was a great job because again, growing up in East Yorkshire, I wasn't too far from York, and I used to watch York rugby league on a regular basis for pleasure, mm-hmm. and then covered them for for six months. But uh, I, I, I'm not one for regrets, really. No, no, that's good. And I mean, if you don't want to change stuff and don't want to alter it, that means you've had a good run, really, isn't it? Because you've done what you wanted to do. So I always like it when people don't have anything specific to say for that answer, as it means that they've done the right things and they've done what they wanted to do. I've had a, I've had a good innings. I've had a good innings. <laughs> um, I've got some quick fire questions for you that are just some are based on you and things you commentate on as well as of course I've got some random ones in there as well what I want to see what you would answer Um, excellent so uh, the first one is of course what is the best match or game that you've been able to commentate on so is there one game or match that kind of sticks in your mind that you're like yeah, that was amazing. I'm so glad I got to commentate on. Um, that's fairly straightforward. Uh, Bradford City, Radio Leeds had lost the rights to Bradford City matches, but the BBC still had local radio rights to FA Cup matches. And Bradford City got drawn away to Chelsea, Jose Mourinho's star-studded Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. Uh, and I'd already started, I think I'd already started, uh, Radio Derby by that stage but obviously it was in the winter so I was fine and uh, they ran me up and said uh, we're doing the uh, we're doing the Chelsea match will you commentate on it I said yeah love to <laughs> um, we went down and after about 20 minutes uh, the, the, don't take this as gospel uh, any of the facts because uh, I'm hopeless with facts but after about 20, 20 minutes or so they were 2-0 down at Stamford Bridge 6,000 away fans still singing and all the rest of it and I looked to my uh, summariser uh, Wayne Jacobs former Bradford City player played in the Premier League with them and thought what on earth are we going to talk about for the next hour and Bradford City came back at Chelsea and won 4-2 and it was the most astonishing thing I've ever commentated on absolutely astonishing they fortunately <laughs> scored just before half time and then Chelsea fell apart and they kept bringing on better and better players and it made no difference. Bradford were uh, were on an absolute roll again under Phil Parkinson, ridiculously. What a career he's had. Uh, and that is, that is still the highlight. And whenever I mention it to uh, one or two colleagues, which I mention it from time to time uh, at Radio Dub, it's, oh, I didn't realise you did Bradford City, Dave, because uh, it's become a bit of a joke. But that... that <laughs> That was the best game I've, I've ever commentated on, bar none. Hopefully there are better ones to come. How about that for an answer for a Derby okay. and Derbyshire audience? Because who knows, Mickey Arthur may well may turn Derbyshire around. Uh, and Dino Marmria, well, who knows what he can do. He might turn Burton Albion around as well. So, But at the moment, Bradford City at Chelsea in the FA Cup. Fourth round, I think it was. Nice. Uh, and I mean comebacks are always kind of the best games to watch especially because of course the emotion wise you don't know you're down at the bottom thinking oh we've lost to exterior at the top so I think that's a nice answer 
Um, who's the best player that you've been able to see live? So that can be football or cricket related. You can give one for each if you want. I was going to say I'll give you one of one of each. Um, when I was at Halifax at the Halifax Courier, Neil Aspin, who was the manager at the time, former Leeds and Port Vale man, signed this bloke called Jamie Vardy. They were in the Northern Premier League. Uh, I think they were in Division One North at the time because the original Halifax had gone bust. Uh, and this this lad came in, and everyone's going, "Well, yeah, there's a there's a you know, there's a bit of a buzz around him, but we'll wait and see what he's like." Absolutely astonishing. I've never seen anybody as quick on a sporting field. Absolutely ridiculous. So uh, mad as a fish as well, uh, and obviously went on to uh, went on to better things than Halifax Town. Um, and cricket-wise, because I've only been there since 2016, and and, and people who, who do listen will know in, in that first year and half of the next year, Derbyshire didn't win a game. Um, they've been to finals day once in the T20. They, they have never qualified in the 50-over competition. They've always been in the second division and in the second in the bottom half of the second division. But last season, when Mickey Arthur arrived, he brought in a batsman called Shan Masood. Who everybody had heard of, yeah, um, and was just the most beautiful batsman to watch. Uh, he got back-to-back double centuries in the championship. Um, ended up skippering the side in the in the T Twenty. One of the nicest people you could wish to meet as well, uh, and is now I'm delighted to say back in the Pakistan. Uh, international setup, although he's, he's sort of hovering on being in the side and not in the side. Um, but he's probably the best cricketer at Derbyshire that, that I've seen. There have obviously been players from opposition who've had good days out. I mean, Anira Donald, who came up and spoke to us uh, when Glamorgan were at Derby uh, a couple of weeks ago in the One Day Cup, he scored the joint fastest double century in first-class cricket history at Colwyn Bay against Derbyshire. Uh, in 2016, uh, one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen. I mean, he was, it, it was a club ground, but he was hitting the ball onto the double-decker buses going past over the pavilion into the car park. Absolutely staggering. But uh, overall, I would say that Shan was... Uh, Shan, coupled with his personality, is, is the best... Is, is, is the cricketer I've enjoyed watching most. Well, that's it. It's not just based on performances, is it? It's how they are as a person and how they come across, which make them stick in your mind more. It, it is. It is. And, and the, the, doing both cricket and football, it's interesting. Now, the players at, at Halifax were always great with me. The players at Burn were always, are great with me now. But I think interviews with cricketers are, are slightly more interesting. I hope no Burn Albion players watch this, listen to this. <laughs> just because they tend not to be as media trained or don't seem to be as media trained and therefore will give you interesting answers. They have an opinion. Cricketers have an opinion. And, of course, we all saw the uh, the report earlier this year. Unfortunately, a lot of them come from well-educated backgrounds, which in footballers' cases isn't always that. Yeah. They're, you know, they're, they're two completely demo- different demographics, footballers and cricketers. And cricketers... Uh, I'm going to say better to interview. That's not right because there are some very interesting footballers. But you can almost guarantee speaking to a cricketer that you'll get a, a decent interview. 
Nice. And I mean, you, know, <laughs> you can notice, um, of course, when you go and watch the cricket, like when people shout out comments or hurl abuse at a cricketer, they'll kind of give it back. Whereas in football, they kind of just zone out and block it out. So, I mean, that comes across from when they're playing as well. So they've got more of a kind of personality when it comes to kind of their opinions and yeah. being themselves. Yeah. Um, of course, you've commentated loads of games of both cricket and football. Is there any memorabilia that you've been able to collect along the way from the clubs that you commentated on that you've kind of held and cherished or not? Not really. No, I'm not a memorabilia man, if I'm entirely honest with you. It, it, again, I think it goes back to the fact that it's the job. Uh, I, I do a job. Uh, I don't go and ask them for... I've, I've got no autographs, I've got no shirts, I've got no... No, I've got anything, really. <laughs> That's a very simple answer. I don't have much memorabilia in the house uh, uh, at all, really. I, I like some of the old photographs, but that, that's more to do with David Griffin, the uh, the, the Derbyshire statistician. Uh, but no, I've got no uh, no memorabilia at all, I'm afraid. Oh, no, I just thought I'd ask. Um, and kind of to round up is, of course... You commentate on Derbyshire, so you've been around Derby before. Um, if you could give a suggestion of like your gem of Derby, where you could take one person to go and see around Derby or Derbyshire, is there a particular place that you'd want to show them? Well, as, as often as I come to Derby, um, my uh, my experiences in Derby City Centre are relatively few. I think I've probably only been about three times. Okay. It, Painful, really. Um, but driving from uh, the northwest down to Derby on a regular basis, if I can, I like to go through the Peak District. So uh, rather than down the M6, so I would take somebody out to the Peak District because it's just stunning, isn't it? I mean, you don't have to drive more than fifteen minutes out of Derby tops, if that, and and you you could be you're in the middle of nowhere, effectively, absolutely the middle of nowhere, and it's just stunning. Absolutely stunning. I knew very little about Derby when I took the job. Um, I have to say, I'd never been to the ground. Okay. Uh, I don't think I'd even been to the city, if, if I'm entirely honest. I'd been to Burton with Bradford City, yeah. uh, and I always imagined that Burton was in Derbyshire. So they put me right on that one quite quickly. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, so Derby itself, I don't know an awful lot about. I basically drive to the radio station or drive to the cricket ground and then go home. Except if I'm going, you know, to interview somebody. Yes. Um, but I would definitely go out into the countryside just, just to get a breath of fresh air. Nice. Um, so, of course, now we're going to round up. So, where can people, of course, find you commentating or find you on the radio coming up? Uh, coming up, uh, the cricket is on every ball of every game, as we like to say, as we're told to say. <laughs> Uh, of uh, every cricket match, professional cricket match in the country is on the BBC Sport website and app. It's very simple to find. Just go on there, go to the cricket page, all the live stuff's on there and you can click on uh, click on the icon that says Derbyshire on it. it. It might not always say Radio Derby for away games. In fact, there'll only be one more uh, home game between now and the end of the season, which is a shame. Um, so that's easy to find. Burton Albion slightly trickier. Uh, we're on 11.16am with the Burton Albion commentary. We're on the uh, 
two clubs' websites as well, though. So if you if you want to watch some pictures from the cricket, you, our commentaries with that on the Derbyshire Cricket uh, website website, uh, and our commentary goes on I follow, which is uh, which is interesting because. Uh, we don't have access to the pictures, but I don't watch the pictures from the cricket either, although I would have access to them if I wanted them, but we don't have access to the pictures from the football. Um, so I'm commentating as I see it rather than having a second look. Okay. So uh, if I get things wrong, I apologise. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm apologise. It's a one big apology so that I don't have to apologise every time I do it. Uh, and of course, the away fans who are watching shall we say, uh, by means that aren't um, 100% legal, uh, get our commentary from home games as well. So, uh, for instance, last season, Bolton fans, I said hello to them uh, on the, uh, at the start of the commentary. It was one of my great moments, if you just indulge me. Um, uh, they threw to me at Burton. It was Burton against Bolton, and they threw to me. I said, welcome, as I normally do, to the Pirelli Stadium. For that, and, uh, uh, and a very special welcome to all the Bolton fans who are watching on an illegal stream. <laughs> and, and my Twitter feed lit up. Uh, <laughs> it, and a lot of them thought it was funny. Some of them were less than complimentary. Um, and the great thing is we play Bolton on Saturday. So uh, uh, it's the game I was the game I always look forward to because my son, who was born in Bolton and lives with me, supports Bolton Wanderers. So uh, it's, a, it's always a game I look forward to. Um, but especially, uh, I shall say hello to all my friends in Bolton again on uh, on Saturday. Well, thank you for coming on and kind of sharing your story and answering my questions. It's really nice for someone to come on and be honest and be able to talk the way you can as it makes my job easier. So thank you for that. <laughs> Yes, yeah, we always like a good talker when we're in. When, when we are the interviewer, we always like the interviewee to be a good talker. So uh, I appreciate, uh, I appreciate what you're going through. If I'd have just come on and said yes and no, you got yourself a very dull podcast. But uh, no, uh, I, I don't think I've, I don't think, I, I don't think I've said anything that I hadn't said before. In all honesty, at various points, but it sort of put it all together, and uh, that's my story. It's, it's, it's exceptionally dull. Worked on newspapers, work on the radio, watch sport. That's the good bit, the really good bit. <laughs> no, brilliant, and thank you again for coming on. Thanks, Adam. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Peaking to Success podcast. If you enjoyed, please make sure you follow us on Spotify as well as Instagram, where you can see all the updates of who is coming up, as well as who has already been on the podcast, as well as Twitter, where there is information and interaction from me on there as well. Thank you. The Bless is open every day from 12pm, serving a wide range of beers, ciders, real ales and spirits. Their kitchen also provides handmade pizzas, loaded nachos, chicken strips and ice cream from 5.50 to 10.30 Monday to Thursday and 12pm to 10.30pm Friday, Saturday and Sunday. The pub quiz is very popular with anyone that enjoys a good beer and a bit of a laugh with their mates. Taking place every Wednesday at 9pm, there's loads of prizes to be won including £50 drinks vouchers for the winners 
and a bottle of wine for the best team name. Everyone's a winner. They also have a spacious function room available to hire that can hold up to 100 people. Wow, that's a lot. Perfect for birthday parties, work events, weddings and wakes. The Bless really comes to life at the weekends with their branded nights of stone love and fully loaded where the DJs play alternative, indie and rock music spanning the generations until the early hours of 2am. There really is something for everyone in what is arguably Derby's best pub.